Let's pray. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, what a joy it is for me to be back with all of you at St. Paul's today. My name is Kevin Robertson, and I am an area bishop in this part of the Anglican Church of Canada. I oversee about 80 parishes in the uh, city of Toronto and in the GTA, and St. Paul's is one of those, and it's always a joy to be back with you, and especially after this long drought uh, when we have not been able to gather together in person, just the joy of being back together again today in worship and in fellowship, it warms my heart. What also warms my heart is the fact that 23 of you uh, who are sitting at the front of the church today uh, are making a new commitment to follow in the way of Jesus Christ by confirming the promises that were made for you uh, at your baptism. And I commend you for such a bold and courageous thing. This is an amazing moment, not only in your life and in the life of your family members and friends and the people of St. Paul's, but indeed in the life of the whole church. So congratulations, and I very much look forward to your confirmation in just a few moments' time. I also want to take this opportunity to thank and commend your leadership team. Um, your clergy team in particular, I know, has worked very, very hard over the past 27 months, and in particular over the past few months, to return us to this place where we can gather together again. Um, Bishop Jenny and I have known each other, I think, Bishop, for almost 30 years, and uh, we served together in the College of Bishops in the Diocese of Toronto for a few years, and uh, it's a joy to be in this new ministry relationship with you, Bishop Jenny. And I also want to commend uh, Tyler and Karen, and I know Ben, your new assistant curate, was with us at 9.30. Uh, your ministry team is exceptional, and I know they bring their A-game whenever they show up in this place on Sundays and during the week. Well, as Bishop Jenny said at the beginning of the service today, you are continuing and actually concluding your E100 preaching series today, and I'm delighted to be able to be a part of that on this last day. I referred to myself at 9.30 as part of the cleanup crew in this preaching series. That perhaps was not the best choice of words. I've, I've uh, seen many of the sermons over the past several months. I think you've had 20 of them all together. And just some really fine reflection on some of the core texts uh, in, in the biblical narrative, including the one today. Listen. I am standing at the door knocking. That's what Jesus says in the Revelation reading that we heard a few moments ago. And by the way, you may, may know, or perhaps not, that the book of Revelation is the very last book in the Bible, the very last book in the New Testament. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that I discovered very early on in the pandemic, two years ago now, was that in our home, we live just over in Riverdale, in our home, nobody knocked on the door anymore. 
oh, sure, the delivery guy from Skip the Dishes or DoorDash would ring the doorbell. And by the time one of us got to the door, our dinner was wrapped up very neatly in a little brown paper bag package. And the delivery guy was already halfway across the street climbing into his car. But before the pandemic, our front porch, we have two kids, we have 10-year-old twins, our front porch was a hub of activity. People were always knocking on the door or ringing the doorbell. It was a place of welcome and activity and conversation. And the pandemic brought that to an end like so many other things. Our front porch became silent and empty. No one knocked for a long time. Through the Apostle John, who was one of the early writers in the church, Jesus says those words, I am here. I am knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and I will eat with you, and you will eat with me. A beautiful image of coming together around a table to share a meal with no one less than Jesus. When you hear those familiar words, listen, I stand at the door and knock, or from the old translation of the Bible, behold, I stand at the door and knock, some of you who have been around churches for a while may picture a particular portrait in your head, because in, for a while, in the 1970s and 80s, this portrait was commonplace in parish halls and church hallways. It was the image of Jesus bedecked in a gown, often holding a lantern in his hand or a pastoral staff, gently knocking on the door. Perhaps you have that image in your mind. And I think that that text that we heard today from the third chapter of the book of Revelation has often been used by preachers and the church more broadly as an evangelistic text. That image of Jesus knocking on the door conveys to many of us a sense that Jesus is knocking on the door of the hearts of those who have not yet met him, who have not yet heard his word, who have not yet come to believe in him. But you know, this passage of scripture was not actually written to a community of non-believers. This particular text was written to a Christian community, a church, part of the seven churches that are addressed in the book of Revelation. And this particular Christian community was in Laodicea, which is in present-day Turkey. The people to whom Jesus spoke were those who actually did know him, who had presumably already given their life over to him. Which begs the question, why is Jesus standing at their door and knocking? Hadn't they already opened the door to let him in? Well, we know something about the church in Laodicea. We know because Jesus says to them, I know your works. He says, you are neither cold nor hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, what an image. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. What could the church in Laodicea have done to be so chastened by Jesus? We don't know in particular 
except that we know from this passage that Jesus doesn't really have any positive things to say about them. Their works did not seem to match what they professed as followers of Jesus, and they are described in this passage as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. To be so lukewarm, so tepid, that the only reaction is to be spat out. This reading this week got me thinking about a very different story, about the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You probably know that story, right? It was either read to you as a child, or perhaps you've read it to your own children, or to your grandchildren. It is the story of young Goldilocks, who is walking through the forest one day and comes upon a house. She, she knocks at the door, but nobody answers, because the three bears are presumably out for a walk. Papa bear, mama bear, and baby bear. Well, the fact that nobody answers the door does not dissuade young Goldilocks. She lets herself in, and she goes around the house trying out various things. She sits in Papa's chair, and then Mama Bear's chair, and then Baby Bear's chair. She sees three bowls of porridge or mush on the kitchen table, and she tries them out. One's too hot, one's too cold, the other is just right. And then finally she makes her way to the bedroom, and she finds three beds. One's too hard, one's too soft, and one is just right. And she lays down in that third bed until the three bears unexpectedly come home and discover her. This story, which has nothing to do with the Bible, of course, it's a fairy tale, I think says something very profound about us as a church and society. And perhaps especially as Anglicans, we don't like to stray too far in one direction or stray too far in the other. Anglicans often like it right down the middle. We've often been described as the via media, the middle way. Not too hot and not too cold, not too hard and not too soft, right down the middle. I don't know if you've heard about Goldilocks planets. Apparently, according to astronomers, of the 1,800 or so planets that we know exist outside of our solar system, something like 18 to 20 of them are known to be Goldilocks um, planets. They are not too hot and not too cold, and perhaps they are able to sustain life. But you know, Jesus has something very different to say about the mushy middle, about being lukewarm. He says that in commitment and in relationship to him, it's not good to be lukewarm. And he says so starkly to the people that he speaks to in the book of Revelation today. It reminds me that as followers of Jesus, as those who have already heard his word, as those who have come to know him, we can be pretty lukewarm sometimes too, can't we? I think those of us who have been evangelized, who hear the reading from Scripture week by week and perhaps day by day, we can run the risk of saying all the right words and going through all the motions of coming to church and going to Bible study and engaging in Christian community, but sometimes our hearts are not burning within us with the love of Jesus. The world is not transformed by our actions in the name of Christ. Let me give you just a few examples. 
Some of them are stark. Perhaps like all of you, I'm sure like all of you today, joining us online or here in the church, I have been deeply grieved this week by the events of last week in Uvalde, Texas, when 21 people, including 19 children, were gunned down in an elementary school. In listening to the news over the past few days from south of the border, I have heard various Christian lawmakers who have had the opportunity time and again after various mass shootings to do something, to change the laws to restrict access to guns, and yet once again this week have failed to do so. Here in our own country, the church's legacy, our church's legacy of residential schools has been laid bare over the past year as the graves of indigenous children have been uncovered. But let's not just point the finger out there, south of the border or in the church and society here at home. We, me, as an individual Christian seeking to follow the way of Christ, I am aware of how often I have not responded with a burning love for Christ, with the justice and love and mercy to which we are called in the life of Jesus. The church is so often lukewarm in its commitment to the call of Jesus to transform the world through the power of love. And I cannot help but think that there are times in which Jesus just wants to spit us out. But friends, here's the good news. Jesus continues to stand at the door and knock to the seven churches that are addressed in the book of Revelation, the living Jesus keeps knocking, seeks the door being opened for him so that he may come in and eat. And the text today says that the one who conquers, the one who opens the door and welcomes him in, he will give a place on his throne, just as Jesus has a place on his father's throne. The invitation to the church in Laodicea is to realize its own imperfection and then to repent and to open the door again and again to the presence of God. And friends, I believe that is the call on our lives as a church as well. Today, 23 of you are going now sitting but are about to stand in front of all of us and make these sacred vows, these commitments. Carson, Noah, Elliot, Isaiah, Jasmine, Isabel, Lauren, Desmond, Nia, Hannah, Morgan, Avery, Nicholas, Thomas, Nathan, Eric, Callum, Oliver, Nathan, Olive, Isabel, Kirsty, Kent, and Philip. Twenty-three of you. Today you are confirming and reaffirming the promises made for you in baptism. You are claiming and proclaiming your commitment anew in Jesus Christ and are responding to his knock at the door of your heart by opening the door and letting him in. A bold and courageous thing to do. As you make these promises today with your family members and friends and your sponsors and your church family and those in the church joining us online, 
I imagine it is not always easy to live into the promises that you are making today. It certainly has not been for me. But as you leave this place at the end of the service and return to school or work, life, relationships, I encourage you not to grow lukewarm in your faith. Be nurtured by the scriptures. Be fed at this table and in this Christian community. Come back here and remember the burning love, the hot love for Jesus and from Jesus that you have already experienced and known and that has brought you here today. The Christian journey is one of continuous renewal. We get it wrong, and we get it wrong a lot. But God, in God's mercy, continuously invites us back, continues to knock on the door until we open once again. In closing today, I want to offer the 23 of you, but really everybody in the church today and everybody online, some touch points to come back to in those times when you feel that your faith has become lukewarm. They are the six promises of baptism, which you'll find uh, on the screens in just a couple of minutes' time. If you want to go away from church today and find them, you can find them online. You can watch the uh, live cast again just to hear these promises. I'm going to read them for you because I'd like you to come back to them today and in the days and weeks and years ahead as you continue to follow Jesus and to grow in faith. The first promise that you will make, that you will continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers. That means that you will come back to this place or to a place like it to be renewed in the fellowship of the Christian community, to study and learn and grow in faith, to be fed in the opening of the word and in the breaking of the bread at the table. Secondly, will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? This second promise is about acknowledging that we get it wrong, and we get it wrong a lot. But when we do so, we come back together in community to ask forgiveness from God and from one another, and to start again. Thirdly, and this is the more evangelistic of these six promises, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ that means, will you not only proclaim God as Savior and Lord in Christ in these four walls, but when you get out there into the world, in your words and in your actions? Fourthly, will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? This is the baptismal promise that is built on the two great love commandments that we have in the Bible, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving. Fifthly, will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? This baptismal promise is about putting our faith into action, about getting out there into the amazing diversity of God's world and seeing through the eyes of Christ and seeing Christ in the other. Respect, dignity.
And then sixthly and finally, will you strive to safeguard the integrity of God's creation? Respect, sustain, and renew the life of the earth. This last promise is a recognition that this planet is our earthly home. And we need to preserve it and protect it, not only because it is a gift from God and it is God's, but because we have a responsibility of passing it along faithfully to the next generations. My friends, when you do feel lukewarm in your faith, come back and dwell in these six promises. Be renewed and immersed in them so that you may be warmed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and in turn go out to transform the world in his name and for his sake. Amen.